Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Esther, owner of Sereth Design. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hey guys, welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. As always, we're super excited to hang out with you today. Um, We wanted to give a big welcome to Lauren Breyer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Yay. Um, Well, we'll dive into introducing you in a little bit, but we always like to do our intro question first. So Lauren, we'll let you start. What did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So when I was like a young child, I was all over the place. Like I'm thinking back to all the careers I thought I was going to go into, like being a vet and then being a wedding planner and then being a dentist. Like it was just really all over the place. But when I was in high school, it kind of shifted more creatively. So I bought myself a DSLR camera and I was really, really into photography for a while. And I was super, super convinced for a few years that I was going to be a photographer, which I still love photography. But when I started doing some design classes in high school, I just like instantly fell in love. And I just felt like so aligned with design more than I had felt with any other career. And I just like never turned back. I went to school for design and I just never questioned my decision after that. That's awesome. I actually didn't know that about you. That's really awesome. Uh, yeah. Because Esther also went to school for design. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I went to the University of Oregon. Okay, cool. Yeah. I I mean, I really loved my experience in school. I'm happy that I went. I think it's so interesting that when you're young, you always just have so many like random dreams. I think that's so true for so many kids of like, oh, I'm going to be a fireman and then I'm going to be a dentist or like whatever it is. And you go through so many different waves and then you kind of settle into what your dream is and what really works for you. So when I was young, I feel like I've always had a creative side. Like I was always in art classes growing up. Um, My mom put me through so much like drawing and painting. And I have so many pictures of me just like in the living room, painting away and paint splattering everywhere. And it's so funny. So I always wanted to do something artistic. And then when I went to school, I actually started going for art, like as an art degree. And I quickly realized you can't really do a whole lot with an art degree, except for like paint and hope that someday somebody's going to buy something. So I transitioned to advertising with a focus in design, but I have always wanted to be an artist in some respects. So I feel like I am so happy I get to live out that dream every single day now. It's really cool. That is so cool. I feel like my background in art is quite a bit different than most people. Um, I don't consider myself to be a traditional artist in the way that I really never took drawing classes or painting or anything like that unless I had to. Like in college, we had to, but I always really struggled with traditional art. So I don't know. Design just feels very different to me. 
Yeah, I think my parents were really relieved when I started showing an affinity for design because I had been so into art when I was a lot younger. Um, I know they wouldn't care either way, but like, I, just like your story, Esther, like I painted a lot. I like to draw a lot. I remember kids in, you know, first grade or they're like, oh my gosh, is that a tracing? You totally trace that. And I'm like, nope, not a tracing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my answer to this question is also varied, like Lauren's answer. I'll just go through some of the things that I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to be a dolphin trainer. That was after I went to SeaWorld and I saw the dolphin show. And I was actually set on dolphin trainer for a really long time. Like that must've had a really, really big impact on me because there was a span of about like three or four years. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a dolphin trainer. A lot of respect, but I'm not a dolphin trainer now. What a different um, like, your be... life trajectory would be if you were a dolphin trainer. Right? Yeah, that would be cool. That's a really, really cool job. So at least I was like creative and like picking my job title. Anyways, another thing that comes to mind is I wanted to be the person that like, I don't know, like that like created Beanie Babies because I was really into Beanie Babies when I was a little girl. So maybe there's like some sort of design in that. I don't know. (laughs) Definitely collected Beanie Babies. And I don't know, there's just something about them all being like the same size, but they have different colors and like they're different animals. And like, I don't know. So I don't know, maybe Beanie Baby Designer was (laughs) on the horizon. And then later on, I wanted to be an architect when I was in high school. And I actually had someone come talk to my high school and it was an architect and they were, they talked about how hard the job was and how like you never get time off and how like you have to work so, so hard. And they basically made me not want to be an architect. (laughs) Um, Maybe this person was just burned out or whatever, but like, I'm glad I'm not an architect now. Maybe it's true that like you don't have any time to do anything else. But (laughs) and then I went to school for journalism and then decided that I just wanted to do design. So lots of different options there, but I'm glad I picked what I did. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard the same thing about architects that they are pretty burnt out. So I don't know. Maybe it depends on like the specific field you go into, but yeah, I'm happy to be in the design field. And I think it's really cool that we all work for ourselves. That's just really special. Well, I feel like architecture is so, so cool, but it's also so freaking meticulous and like so math oriented and you have to know physics and like you have to know so much as opposed to like, I mean, design, you have to know a lot, but in this, in a way you're just being creative. So with architecture, you have to be creative and you have to know how things are going to work and not fall down. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's the real world, you know? And like, I think there is a connection there to print design, which is what we're going to talk about today with Lauren. Obviously, like, that's like a really big leap from like buildings to like print design, but like, stay with me guys. When you're design and you're like, you're a digital designer, like your designs are going to like live on the web. And there's like unique challenges that come from that with development and SEO and like domains and stuff like that. You know, but when you're just kind of creating a logo or you're just starting out, you know, it's like maybe this person will use their logo in their Instagram photo or on their Facebook cover or a digital PDF or something. But when you start getting into, okay, I want to hold a physical thing in my hands that has my brand on it, or I want to make a branded fill in the blank or whatever it is, there's a whole other set of specifications and knowledge and like, 
keywords and vocabulary for you to know and understand to be able to communicate with a printer and to communicate with your client about like what they need to give you and like what the process is going to look like. Um, And so that's why we think it's super important to talk about packaging because packaging is not like making a pretty mock-up of a candle and then being like, oh, I did packaging design. It's like, well, you made a mock-up of a candle. Like that's, it's not packaging design because it's actually really complicated. Maybe Lauren has another perspective for us, but before I, I, we have so many questions for you today, Lauren. I just want to read your bio really quickly and then we can hear more from you about, about packaging and kind of your design story. So, Lauren Breyer, owner of LB Creative, is a multi-passionate entrepreneur with an emphasis on packaging design. LB Creative is a playfully modern design studio that transforms e-commerce brands into scroll-stopping sensations. Love it. Thank Thank you for being here with us today. (laughs) I think you just rebranded also. Um, And this is like a little new like description of your business. I remember seeing scroll stopping sensations, I think on your Instagram when you announced it. And I was like, that's genius. Yeah. It took me a long time. I didn't... I've worked with a copywriter in the past, but I really wanted it to come from me. Like the Mm -hmm. main tagline, I guess you could say of my business. And it just took a lot of brainstorming and adjusting, but I really like where I landed. So yeah. Do you want to tell us and tell our listeners kind of how you got started in the design world and kind of how you decided that packaging design was going to be kind of your focus and it's kind of like what you're known for? As you know, I've been sending you a bunch of packaging only projects recently because I'm like, oh, Lauren is the expert. And I'm sure other designers also refer you a lot of work to. Yeah. So... As I mentioned before, my love for design came from high school. I started doing design classes and I just fell in love with it. Um, and then I, I went to college for design and I was lucky enough to get a job right out of college working at a design firm. So that really shifted what my expectation of working as a designer was like because Going to school for design is very different than actually working as a designer. There's, I mean, you're you're doing a lot of theoretical projects and a lot of like deeper meaning when it comes to school, um, but when it comes to the real world, it is definitely different. And when I started my job, I got thrown into packaging design like immediately, like literally the first day of my job, I walked into my new my new desk, I sat down and they told me that I had to design packaging for like a cat scratcher for like a a national pet brand. And I had never taken any packaging design classes in college. They actually didn't have that when I went to college. Um, They do now, but so I didn't know what I was doing and I was super scared and I was just a little bit panicked. But but I did a lot of packaging at that job. I kept working with that same client that was that was really like our biggest client. And we also worked with other smaller packaging clients like breweries and stuff. And so I got to like see the ins and outs of packaging from an agency perspective. And I just learned so much and I just fell in love with packaging. And so I knew that when I went out on my own, I just needed that to be my focus because I just loved it so much. That is so cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. I think packaging design can be really intimidating for a lot of designers. 
What about packaging do you feel like really inspires you? Or like, why do you think that like you leaned more towards that side of design rather than web or digital? Yeah, I think because it combines physical and digital, like what you were saying before, there's just so much more to packaging than designing a pretty label or a mock-up or something like that. You really have to consider so many other things like the paper stock or the container shape or special finishes, printing techniques, that sort of thing. And it's just really, really satisfying to have that finished result in your hands. And also seeing it in stores is like the greatest feeling ever. Being able to walk into a store and seeing something that you made on the shelf. And yeah, it's just such a special experience for design to have something physical. And yeah, it's just so special. I love it. How cool to have something that you've created in your own hands. Like as brand and website designers, like it's all digital. So it's all something you can see just on your phone or on a computer, but like to actually feel the material, I think that is awesome. And also to hear your story of like, you're just kind of thrown into the fire and from your first job, I was curious when you were going through that first couple of projects, when you're in kind of in the weeds, like not really knowing what you're doing, what did you find the most challenging? I think the things that I found the most challenging were all of the logistics of packaging. There's like a lot of requirements and there's a lot of structure to it. It's not quite as loosely creative as you would think it might be. Um, Like we were designing for uh, pet products that had to be sold in Walmart and Costco. And so those stores specifically also had legal requirements. Like you have to have this written on the bottom. It has to be this size. It has to have this placement. And so I, I sort of just went in blind and put things where I thought they should go. And then my boss was like, oh, no, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't do that. So it was like a big wake up call for me to like really learn the ins and outs of the requirements of packaging because I didn't realize there were so many. Um, but yeah, I think also just I was thrown into a project that the brand already existed. So it was quite a different experience than starting fresh and like coming up with the branding and having this original vision come from myself. So it was more about following the brand style guide that already existed and creating new products from that. And that was kind of a different challenge that I hadn't had before. I think there's something I agree you know, with what you said, Esther and Lauren, about holding something and seeing your work actually come to fruition. I remember some of the, the my favorite parts of finishing brand projects are seeing my logos being used in physical and print, I guess, statuses or like, I don't even know like the right word to use there. Like, you know, just in real life, I guess, or out in the wild, I think people say as well, it's like, it's cool to see the design actually working. Not that it doesn't work when it's at the top of your website, but like, I always think about like products at Target or at the grocery store or whatever. It's like, the brand takes on almost more weight because it's being compared to so many other things side by side and you get like a split second to attract someone's attention. 
And I think more and more consumers are really putting a lot of weight on packaging and the design of the way a product looks on the outside and how cool to be involved in that. From branding, you also offer web design. And then for a product-based business to be able to do everything with you rather than having to do piecemeal, you know, oh, packaging here, website here. I think that's just so genius, especially now that you've niched down into e-commerce. Yeah, I think niching to e-commerce was probably the best decision that I've ever made. Before that, I was kind of catering to anybody. I did have kind of a unique style, but not really. I was more open to just like anybody. Uh, but you know, when you start your business, it's kind of tempting to just attract anyone that will pay you. <laughs> so um, yeah, when I niched down into e-commerce specifically... I just felt so much more aligned because I could really work with those dream product-based clients and carry out their vision all the way from branding to packaging to web design. And I knew that my vision was like really coming through and I didn't have to pass it along to other people and hope that those people would see the same vision that I saw. Um, I just knew that I would be able to take that on myself, which is really cool. Yeah, because a brand is not just even the brand identity. There's a difference in definition there from brand to brand identity. So like we're brand identity designers. We design the brand identity, but then like the brand that goes out and like it lives in all of these other spaces. And so you very much have a holistic offering, especially with your new niche. And a question that's kind of going off track here a little bit that I have for you is that designers ask all the time about niching and they're afraid that niching down into something more specific is going to be limiting to them in terms of attracting, you know, enough clients to pay the bills. And so I would love to hear from someone who's just kind of been through this process and chosen a niche and it's worked out. How did you kind of get past that fear? And have you seen more inquiries that are aligned with your niche now that you're like kind of actively talking about it? Yeah, I think that's a great question and something that people also ask me. I did have that fear originally that getting rid of the entire service-based client industry was going to really hurt me. And I think it took some time to adjust and for people to recognize me as more of a packaging designer and have that e-commerce niche because before I was just kind of like a catch-all for anything. But I think once people recognize that that's who I am and that's what I offer, I was getting much higher quality inquiries and people you know, were coming to me knowing that I specialize in packaging. And that's really cool because they, they trusted that I could carry out that vision and do the branding and do the packaging. And they knew that they wouldn't have to bounce around to other designers and yeah. So that was definitely a really, really good decision for me. So why do you think that it's important for brand designers to know how to design packaging? Like, do you think it's important? I know we'll talk about this a little later. You have a course called Packaging Design Master. But yeah, like what about packaging design do you think is valuable for brand designers to kind of add to their service arsenal? Yeah, I think packaging is so, so important to know if you want to work with any kind of e-commerce or product-based brands. I know a lot of designers love to specialize with service industries, so that's totally fine. You don't really need to know packaging. But if you are interested in seeing any of your designs come to life in that physical way, 
I think it's really important to learn the skills of packaging because kind of what we were talking about before, there's just so many designers that will pass on packaging projects to me or to other designers because they don't have the skills needed to carry out that project or maybe they don't have the confidence because like you said, it is really intimidating and it's scary. You don't want to like mess something up, especially if it's a really big brand. And so from my experience working at an agency and seeing how other agencies run, I've just come to realize how passing around a project to multiple designers can just really water down your vision. And it just strays away from that original brand strategy and the original vision that the designer had. So being able to do all of the things like branding and packaging and web design just allowed me to have more creative control. And it made me feel like I could actually guarantee the client's happiness in the end because I knew that the vision would come to life the way that I pictured it. And I love having the extra income of packaging as well. (laughs) Definitely. It sounds like a client's dream come true, honestly, to have just one person who is the go-to, who knows everything, you are the one who spends the most time with them. So you really get their business and what's going to work with their consumers as well. I'm curious, like if there are designers who are looking to kind of get into packaging design, because like you said, there's not a lot of people who are really in this world right now. It's kind of a space where there's a lot of opportunity if people are willing to invest in learning it. I'm curious, like when you first start out, are there any like, easy ways to mess up as a designer when you're learning packaging? Like, What are the mistakes that you see oftentimes when brand designers are like, I'm going to start offering packaging right now, even though they're not quite pros yet? Yeah. I think the biggest mistake that I see is designers not charging enough. And I know pricing is tricky, even for branding. It's It's just hard because it's not like... I mean, I guess with packaging, it is a physical end product, but not really because you're designing the whole brand and it's just a lot to consider. But I strongly encourage designers to charge more than what you normally charge for branding for packaging. Like a lot of people think, oh, I should charge like half the amount that I charge for branding um, because I don't know, people just don't see how much goes into packaging, but it really takes so, so much time. Um, That's also kind of a mistake that people make is not realizing how much time and effort goes into packaging. So I definitely recommend setting aside a significant portion of time for the project. You have to get product samples and test sizing and get materials and coordinate with printers. And it's just so much more than just doing things digitally and sending files to clients. So I think people deserve to get you know paid what they're working on. And it's a lot of work. So definitely charge your worth is a huge, huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like charging is something that designers struggle with so much, like even when it comes to brand design and websites and packaging, like all of that, just not really realizing how much time it takes. And when you've been talking about like all the details that go into packaging, I'm just thinking I've never personally had a packaging project. So I feel like there would be so many things that you'd have to adjust slightly and that takes up time, you know, like all the details. We're talking about architecture. It's kind of similar in that 
vein where you have to be so precise, right? Yeah, definitely. I always tell people to build in an extra couple of weeks, at least to the project timeline, just to have a buffer for things getting delayed because it's just almost inevitable. I don't think I've ever had a packaging project where something wasn't delayed. And it's usually not the fault of anybody specifically. It's just there's so much information that you need to know. And then if you're waiting on printers or you're waiting on suppliers or shipping and things like that, it's just hard to get an exact date for when you think the client might be able to launch. So yeah, usually packaging projects take me at least like two months, maybe longer. So it's it's definitely a lengthy project, but I think it's worth it for sure. So going off of that, how do you price out your packaging design? Like, are you charging based on how large the company is, like how many products there are or how complicated each piece is going to be? I'm just curious, like all the different factors that go into your pricing. Yeah, I think value-based pricing is a huge key to successfully pricing yourself as a designer. I feel like if you don't understand value-based pricing, you should definitely look into it. There's a lot of resources. I'm sure you've talked about it on this podcast with other guests because it's definitely popular nowadays. But yeah, I always bundle branding and packaging together. I stopped offering packaging as its own service. I have to do the branding because you really need to consider branding and packaging together as a unit. There's just a lot that can go wrong when you're trying to design packaging for an existing brand. I've had issues in the past where clients will send me a JPEG logo and I'm like, well, I can't really work with this or you know, little things like that, or they don't have a color palette picked out. And, and then you're almost going into the branding process. So I think it's just better to do both together. And so for pricing yourself, it is tricky to give like a, an estimated suggestion for what people should price. But I would say whatever you're charging for branding... Um, If you're bundling those services together, definitely double it. And then you can always add on to that depending on what the client needs. So some clients are really easy and they just want like three labels for their three products. But some clients have 40 products and they need labels and boxes and tissue paper. And there's just so much more involved when it comes to that. So I think... Doubling your price is like a good starting point. And then you can always add on if you feel like it's a really big project. I love that. Double it and add on. Yeah. <laughs> and add That's more. And keep just adding. Charge more and then add more. And then, <laughs> and then just a smidge more. A little bit more. Yeah. I think um, with all the delays too in the supply chain, I'm sure like that also factors into clients just having a reasonable expectation of when they might even be able to get their products. Because like, usually I feel like with web design, a lot of my clients will say, oh, you know, I'm just going to kind of launch. I don't really have like a specific timeline. Like there's, you know, but with packaging, it's like they're planning all these other moving pieces. They're doing product development, like product design. Like they have to make sure the product fits in the packaging. They have to order all of the like items and communicate with their printer and all of that type of stuff. I think one of the things that trips me up about packaging and I've dipped my toes in it and then basically just outsourced it to Lauren just because like it's not something that I'm super passionate about. And I know that she's like the pro here. Um, Something that trips me up is that like 
when you, like if you make a mistake or something doesn't get caught, that gets printed and you can't just change it really easily. Like if there's a typo on a website, it's so easy to just go in and like fix a typo, like even after launch. But like there's a like a final line with packaging and print that like once it gets produced, like you can't go back. And so there's pressure there. And my question for you, Lauren, is like, how do you handle that pressure? How do you handle that risk? Is it a client communication thing? Is it like a a boundary thing? Is it an expectations thing? I would just love to even just hear you speak to that just for my own benefit because that's something that like kind of stresses me out about packaging design. Yeah, that's definitely a stressful factor for sure. It is scary to know that if you make a mistake that that can affect um, your client negatively. And I'm sure everybody will make a mistake at some point. Hopefully it's nothing detrimental. But I think having a clause in your contract is really important that states something like the client has final responsibility to ensure that spelling is correct and that the legal information is correct because you definitely don't want to get sued for one if there is some kind of missing legal information or you don't want your client to... Oftentimes, clients will be the one to supply the copy for products. So if they have like a description on the back of their product and there's a typo in there, you don't want to have to spend like five grand to have to reprint everything because they thought that you would do the spell check, you know? So I think just finding ways to protect yourself like that is really, really important. But also just, you know, owning up to mistakes because they do happen. I actually just made a mistake like literally a couple days ago with a print project. I've never had a mistake like this. Luckily, it wasn't anything significant, but my client had two different size variations of one product. And she asked me to send the print files to the printer and she was you know, reordering labels and I sent the wrong size file. And so she has a bunch of labels that she doesn't need. So I personally ordered her new ones and paid for that mistake. But you know, it's like mistakes happen. And unfortunately with print, you have to pay for them (laughs) instead of just deleting them. But uh, yeah, I think just trying to protect yourself with agreements up front really helps prevent any like detrimental mistakes that could happen. Is there anything like that you share with your client, maybe in like a kickoff call or just kind of like a, hey, intro to working with a designer who does packaging or there's certain expectations that you set forth for them. Obviously, we've talked about timeline and pricing, but just like as far as like printer communication and and proofs and stuff like that. Yeah, I kind of walk them through each step of the process as it comes and goes. I do give them a a little bit of an overview right off the bat, but I don't want to overwhelm them with too much information immediately uh, because I know clients can get overwhelmed. They have a lot going on behind the scenes of their own business, like with product development and stuff. I don't want them to be thinking about printer proofs that are coming in two months that don't need to be thought about yet. So yeah, I... I always onboard my clients into Notion. I create like a a client portal there and I outline every step of the process. And I give each of us like a task list that goes over like what you have to do in order to complete that step. And at the very beginning of the project, I just read through that whole task list just so they can get a good feel for like what goes into 
each step of the process on my end and their end. And so I feel like they they kind of know what to expect, but when each step of the process comes, I kind of go over it in more detail so they can understand like what, you know, like what the vocabulary is, like what are proofs, what is a die line, that sort of thing. Do you want to define those two words for us? Sure. Yeah. So a die line <laughs> for our is, listeners. <laughs> a die line is basically a template that you design your packaging on. So if you're designing a mailer box, um, you would get a die line from the printer and you would just design it's like a flat template of whatever you're printing. So a flat box template, you have to design each panel and then they print it flat and they will assemble it for you. And then a proof. There are digital proofs and physical proofs. Um, Digital is much more common. So once you submit final files to a printer, they will send you a proof, which is basically they like download the file on their end and they set it up for print and then they resend it to you to make sure that it still looks correct. Because especially with like, I've had this issue with international printers. Sometimes something weird will happen. I don't know if it's, because of the file type or what happens, but you want to make sure like the colors look good and that nothing got moved or shifted and, you know, double check spelling. It's your last chance <laughs> to make sure that all that information is correct. And then, yeah, once you approve that, then it finally goes to print. There's so many little details to a print project. Yeah. Like, margin and like bleed, you know, which is the, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, the amount of uh, print overage that you have to design for, for cropping. So like printing to the edge of a paper, you obviously have to crop it. How do you keep all of that straight? Do you have like kind of like an, is it your notion checklist um, for someone who's diving into packaging design for the first time? Maybe they're doing like a print job or something. What types of things should people be on the lookout for? And then like, how do you keep it all straight basically? Yeah. So when I started my job at the design firm, I quickly realized that you need to remember a lot of things when you're setting up files for prints and sending it off to the printer. So I actually started creating a list. Every time I did any project, I would like create a list and add to it. And I had this list taped to my computer. And I mean, over time, I've just remembered what that list is, but I still do have it on a notion checklist and I go through the list every single time because I'm terrified that I will forget something because <laughs> it is a lot to remember. Um, but yeah, inside of my course, actually, I created a notion portal for my students to access and that does have that checklist in there. So I have a file setup checklist and then a final artwork file checklist as well, because there are different things that you need to consider. So when you're setting up a file, I think one of the biggest things is just to make sure that you're setting it up in CMYK, um, because that is the color profile for printing. RGB is for web, so you don't want the colors to look completely wrong when you're printing. Um, just make sure that you know, you're getting the correct die line from your printer. I've had designers ask me like, oh, should I like manually create a die line? Like, should I design it myself? And I've never had to do that in my life. So I would not recommend doing that unless it's just for like practice purposes. But the printer should always, always 
require you with a deadline. So you should not ever have to do that. Um, and then when it comes to like sending off your final files, just double checking like sizing of like the UPC and making sure that your fonts are all legible at a, like whatever size it's being printed. I recommend actually physically printing it, no matter how big it is. If you need to go to a print shop and get it printed, it's great to see it in person because sometimes designs just don't look quite right when it's printed. Um, I've definitely had that issue before where I print it out and I'm like, whoa, that's everything is way too big. Um, and you have to, you know, go back and adjust. So make sure that you're actually printing it and seeing it in its final physical form. And yeah, there's just, there are a lot of little details to remember, but just talk to your printer and see if they have any specifications that you need to follow because usually they have some kind of guideline or they can just tell you what the requirements are. I think the such a good piece of advice here is to talk with the printer. And so that leads us into the next question, which is managing a project, like communicating with printers, understanding the language that they're using to talk with you and your client. Do you prefer to talk with the printer directly? How do you keep the client involved in those conversations? Do they need to be involved in those conversations? How do you communicate about proofs and final approval? Um, Give us the deets. Yeah. So I personally don't like my clients being involved. One, because they don't know what's going on and I don't want them to feel overwhelmed. I also don't want them to make any mistakes. The only time I involve them is when it comes to reviewing proofs. I will review it and I will also have them review it because again, it's just one last chance to catch any errors. So I want to make sure that they're seeing the design as many times as possible to catch anything. But yeah, with communicating with the printer, I feel like that is really the key to having a smooth project. So I recommend contacting them immediately once the project gets started so that you can get that die line and clear up any questions that you might have right away. Don't be afraid to ask if they have any like print specifications that you need to follow, especially if you're new to packaging. I feel like I don't want people to feel intimidated like, oh, I should know how to set this up. So I shouldn't you know, ask the printer. That's what they're there for. They're totally okay with telling you all the specifications. And yeah, just review those proofs at the end. Make sure your client reviews them too. And just check for any like color issues, spelling, placement, sizing, all that stuff. And I think you should be good. But I don't like having my clients send off final files or try to communicate with the printer because there's just a lot of details that they might miss. And I don't want that to be the reason why things aren't correct in the end. Totally. I think they can get confused very easily. So just keeping yeah. like keeping your eyes on the project and making sure they know, I mean, you're the professional. They're paying you to make sure this, this goes smoothly and it looks as perfect as it's going to be. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask about charging for print management. Oh, yes, how do actually... you how do you build that into your pricing and how do you communicate with your client that like, hey, this is an additional service that I'm providing? Yeah, I actually don't. Um, it's not like an additional invoice. I don't like add that on top of the quote that I give them. It's built in just because I feel like it's a necessary service that 
I really don't want them to be like, oh, well, if I can save some money, I'll do it myself. I don't want them to think that. (laughs) So I don't allow them to do it. But I just want to make sure that like everything goes smoothly. So I, um, I do that myself. It seems like you have, are very like, I think with project management, there's like a, such a balance between like just telling the client literally every single granular step that you're going to be taking and then also not like overwhelming them. So I think that that is like a really important point that you brought up earlier on is that like, there are so many little details to keep track of, but part of the value that you're providing to your client is actually that they don't have to even know about that stuff. You know, like that is so valuable for them to like not have to be on those email chains with the printer or they don't have to get on the call with the printer that that you basically like handle it like white glove from start to finish. Um, and so that might be something that you lean on heavily in conversations on sales calls with clients to help them understand the value. Um, and I know we're kind of going back to pricing a little bit, but like that's kind of one thing. Are there other things that you communicate to clients during those sales calls that kind of help them see, okay, this is why I charge this much for packaging? Because I think sometimes people can see it, oh, as like, oh, it's just collateral. Oh, it's like a business card. It's like, it's like a little add-on. It's like, no, this is actually double plus some. <laughs> Yeah, I think also knowing all of that legal requirement information is huge because most clients don't know that information. I've had experiences where I'm really surprised at how little people know. Like I've had a client that sells um, food in Whole Foods and they didn't even know like what was required on nutrition facts panels. And you know, you would think that somebody like a client that large that has that kind of um, like outreach would know things like that, but they really don't. And so I think just communicating that, you know, you know what's best for the design, you know, what kind of information should go on there. You also are experienced with like the kinds of printing techniques and materials that can be used. Like there's just so much more to packaging, as I've mentioned, than just designing something on the computer. Like, there's a lot of background knowledge that you need to know. And just being able to communicate that to your client, I think, will really help them understand the value that you're bringing to them. There's so much in there. It's there's awesome. Do you share all of this information in your course, Packaging Design Master? I'd love to hear a little bit more about your course, when it launched, how you decided to start it, and what's offered within it so that our listeners can contact you and be part of that and learn from you. Yes. Yeah, so my course is called Packaging Design Master. And I first launched it, I think it was last summer. So no. Honestly, I don't even remember. I'm losing track of time. I think the pandemic is confusing me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been out for a while. Um, we go through different launch cycles. So I'll have it open for a little while and then I'll close it to be able to add more content and more value. And then I'll reopen it to um, enrollment. So right now it is currently open for enrollment, which is super exciting. And yeah, some of the things that we talk about in the course... We have everything divided into separate modules. So the first module goes over onboarding and pricing. So I know pricing is a tough one. So we go into detail with that. Um, That's where I also have that Notion onboarding 
template. So you can just kind of copy and paste that and be able to use it for your own clients. And then we talk about techniques and materials, also the legal information. It's kind of like the least fun module, but I think it's the most important module because it's really, really helpful. And then we talk about printers and suppliers for packaging, all of the research and preparation that goes into designing projects like consumer buying habits and competitor studies and things like that. And then there's a huge module that goes over actually designing the packaging and then project wrap up. And we also have a few extra guest expert trainings on the course, which is super exciting from other fun designers that talk about things like brand strategy and how to charge more. And those are just ongoing. So we'll always be adding new guest expert trainings. Do you guys also have a Facebook group? Yeah, we do have a Facebook group. So once you're in the course, you'll have access to that. So you can ask me any questions that come up or if you're working on a project and you get confused or need a little bit of guidance or maybe somebody to look over your files. Um, I'm more than happy to look over that in the Facebook group or just you know get feedback amongst your um, peers. And yeah, we also have a free print sample kit that I mail out to all of my students. So once you're enrolled, I'll send you some print samples from some of my favorite printers so that you can actually get like physical ideas of like what you could recommend to your clients. Like you could order this material label from this printer or maybe this box from this other printer and you can get like a better feel for what you can actually recommend. Because I know when you're starting out, it feels kind of overwhelming and it's hard to recommend things when you haven't worked on projects before. So yeah. That's awesome. This is so valuable for designers who are looking to break into that packaging world. And I'm so happy that you have this group and support system for people to really bounce ideas off of each other. Because it's hard. I think it's hard like being a solopreneur and trying to figure it all out on your own especially if you haven't worked in any type of agency and really done it at all before. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the whole reason why I started this course in the first place is because I was lucky enough to work at an agency where I was given direct like education and experience for packaging specifically, but a lot of people dive right into freelancing or maybe they worked you know, at an agency that just didn't offer packaging. And so I don't want people to feel like you have to work at an agency to be able to be a packaging designer. You should be able to not have to Google every single question you have and just have a good hub of all the information that you need in one place, which I really didn't see anywhere. And that's why I decided to make the course. I was going to say, I agree with you, Esther. There's a huge, tremendous value in just having someone almost like kind of over your shoulder, like giving you feedback. And, you know, especially if you have the design down, but then you're getting into all of these technical things with die lines and printer communication. And I love that you don't just teach the technical stuff, but you also have all the other things that come with it, like pricing and probably a lot of project management stuff. I know print projects tend to have more project management needs. So it sounds like a really, really great place to start. 
So I know that you prepared a discount code for our listeners. So do you want to share a little bit more about like if someone is ready to move forward and they want to sign up for Packaging Design Master, how can they get in contact with you? But then also how can they find the course? Yeah. So I did create a discount code specifically for this podcast because I love you guys. And I'm so excited to be here and have this new audience to share this with. Um, So yeah, if you sign up for the course, either way, no matter what pricing structure you choose, we, we offer like a pricing plan or you can just pay in full. You can use the code BETTER to get $75 off enrollment. And you can go to my website, lbcreative.com. It's elbycreative.com slash PDM. And that's how you find the course. Or if you want to just follow me on Instagram at lbcreative, you can always click the link in my bio to find the course. Or you can always just message me if you want to ask me more questions or just chat more about packaging because I love to talk about it. Yes. Lauren and I have a really great Voxer thread going where we chit-chat about various design things. Um, And she is just such an open, wonderful soul. So I know that she'd be happy to get messages from you guys and with any questions that you have. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation about packaging design and print design. Um, You guys know we always wrap up our episodes with an inbox question. So we can kind of like tag a team on the answer to this um, because it is kind of like itemized. Um, So Sophia Inacio asks, what are five valuable tips for your first month after launch? And I'm assuming she means launching your, your design business. So if either of you want to jump in, I can also jump in with some some advice, but we'll get to five tips and we'll, we'll call it a day for Sophia's question. I think one is months after your launches, check in and see like, is everything aligning? How are you feeling? Like what's working? What's not working? Really doing your own self-check and seeing what can be improved, what might need to be taken away and just reevaluating where you're at. Yeah, I think uh, really... Things can change and shift so quickly. Um, you try different things. You try different messaging. Like I probably change the messaging at the top of my like website header like once a month, <laughs> which is like probably bad. I'm investing in copy in a, a copy refresh and like brand story like later this month or later in this quarter, which I'm excited about. But um, yeah, things can change, and so always make sure that you're aligned with the goals and the values that you've written down. And if you haven't written those down write them down so that you can remain consistent with things. Well, I also think that it's important to remember that when you set something, when you launch, it doesn't mean it has to stay like that forever. Like it's just, it, I mean, we hope that it holds for a really long time and lasts forever in theory, but oftentimes that's not what happens because things do evolve. Yeah, for sure. One tip that I thought of is that you should experiment with different methods of social media posting and see what feels most aligned to you. Because I know some people really, really love Instagram and they just want to post on Instagram all the time. Some people don't really love Instagram and they want to post on like TikTok or some people would prefer Pinterest. And I think it's important to do a little bit of a few. Like you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and only post on one social media platform. 
But I think it is important to find what feels the best for you. And also just pay attention to your inquiries and see where they're coming from and really like go hard with that social media platform. Um, and, you know, don't be afraid to try different things. Like for me recently, I have started posting a little bit on Behance and I've already gotten a few inquiries just from posting two projects on there. So it's something that I never really expected to work for me, but. I think everything is worth a try even for a little bit. I love that. There's so many things to try out and see what works. Like, I mean, I know some people even do LinkedIn marketing and that can work really well for you. So it really is just that trial and error and seeing what you enjoy. I mean, I personally don't like TikTok. I like scrolling through TikTok, but I don't like creating my own stuff on TikTok. So that doesn't work for me, but it might for somebody else. I think it's so important to just lean into what you're excited for. Like if making reels on Instagram makes you want to tear your hair out, which that's me, um, (laughs) then don't put the pressure on yourself to do that or outsource it, you know, and find something that you're excited about that you can see fitting into like your timeline for marketing um, or you set aside two hours a week to do marketing. I love that we're talking about not doing everything everywhere and picking what feels best for you and what you're most excited about. I think a tip that I would throw into the basket here is just take every opportunity to make meaningful connections with other people in your niche or your industry. So I'm not necessarily only talking about people within like other designers, like other brand designers, other web designers, If your focus is, you know, a specific industry, like you have an industry niche, say it's wellness, reach out to as many people like wellness coaches, nutritionists, um, health coaches, uh, you know, people who like food bloggers, you know, people who create food products, just make meaningful connections with them without any expect for return on those connections. And I feel like that was probably like I was doing that just like randomly because I felt like I was like, I just want to get to know people like in the creative space. And so now I work with a lot of really luxury creatives like fine art, interior design. It was from reaching out to those people and just making those like really organic connections without any expectation of anyone hiring me that a friend of a friend was looking for brand design and then they referred me to their friend and then it kind of just grew from there. So I think like that is just a really great mindset to have when you like within that first month is just to know that the time that you're investing into making those organic real relationships will pay off for your business. I might not see it this month or next month, but I've still like people, this one girl followed me for so long on Instagram and we had a really meaningful connection. I bought one of her products um, and we just were friends. And then three years later, she was like, I finally have the budget to invest in your services. And I've known from the beginning that I want you to design my brand because I have that connection with you. And so like those seeds that I planted a while ago are now like coming to fruition, which is really, really cool. I love that. Yeah, I think a similar tip is also to make connections with other designers um, that are in a similar position to you. Like it can feel kind of intimidating as a new freelance designer to try to like make relationships with designers with like a huge following or they've been in business for 10 years or whatever. But 
I made a lot of connections with other designers that were starting out. Um, Facebook groups are a great place to do that or just following each other on Instagram, interacting with content, responding to stories. There are so many designers that I have talked to since the beginning of my business that I still talk to on like a weekly basis. And I just know that they're going to be there to support me throughout any like, you know, issue that I might have in my business. I can always send them a voice memo and ask for advice. And it's just so nice to have those connections, especially when you're having like doubts about your business or maybe you're in a transitional period or you're just not really sure what to do. It's nice to have some voice of reason from someone that's been there and been through the same things as you. I guess I'm trying to remember how we, we met Lauren. Like I literally don't remember. Was it Instagram? Like I'm not (laughs) sure. I feel like you and I are both like kind of in the same space where we know a lot of the same designers and I know I think I've been listening to this podcast actually before I've even ever talked to you before. Um, So it's kind of like a weird surreal experience (laughs) to be on this podcast. Like I kind of always wanted to be on this podcast. So very excited about that. You manifested (laughs) that and now it's coming true. And we're just so grateful that you're here. And this is just like, I feel like every time I talk to you, I like learn something new about packaging and it makes me a little bit like less afraid, but I'm still going to send all my packaging inquiries (laughs) to you because I just don't like have the time or like the, the willingness to like learn about it. Maybe I will in the future when I have a little bit more time in my schedule and my baby's not so young. But yeah, guys, yeah. like if you're interested in packaging, like, I don't know, I hear the word packaging and I think of Lauren. So she's done a really, really good job of kind of like associating that like service niche in addition to e-commerce and like really made that work for her because I just send all of the packaging stuff to her. <laughs> um. Okay, so... I guess we can just kind of wrap up. So thank you, Lauren, so much for being here with us. And we're really grateful for your time. And um, guys, reach out to her on Instagram if you want to chat further. Yes, thank you so much, Lauren. Yeah, it was so great chatting with you guys. Awesome. All right. Well, we will see you guys in next week's episode. Um, And don't forget the discount code for Packaging Design Master, the code BETTER for $75 off enrollments at lbcreative.com slash PDM. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thank you to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.